Before I start the podcast, I would just like to let the Texas squaddies and friends of the podcast know that we are thinking about you guys. You guys are going through a lot right now. And because of the failures of politicians and corporations, Texans are coming out on the losing end of it. And we can see how it's broken down by class in a lot of ways. And that's not right. I've been in touch with a few of you guys. Uh, some of you have been caught up in the rolling blackouts. Um, please let me know how I can amplify your situation or how any of us can be of help to you in your situation should you require it. And just know that we are thinking about you. That is not lost on us at all. And it is my prayer that you guys are staying strong in the ways that you can. And with that, start the show. Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex set. Man, I tell you, Harry and Megan, they stay announcing news right after I'm done with the podcast. <laughs> like right after I either uh, have recorded it, made the video, or put it on, on YouTube. But it's all good because it's all good news. And my gosh. What a wonderful development. And can I just say congratulations to Harry and Megan. They have announced that they are pregnant again. Uh, this is Megan's third pregnancy. And, of course, acknowledging that she, as she shared with us, that she miscarried uh, sometime last year. Uh, Archie is going to be a big brother. And, oh, my God, like we knew it was going to happen at some point. And it appears that that time is now. And I could not be happier for Harry and Megan and Archie. Archie's going to be a big brother. I cannot believe he's going to be two in just a few months. And soon he's going to have somebody like looking up to him and following him and doing everything that he does. I am so ecstatic for Harry and Megan. Like this is what they deserve. This is what they deserve. And I got to say, when Harry and Megan joined the Get Lit kids on that Zoom, first of all, it's always so adorable, but I was like, oh, Megan, hey, girl, you're looking a little glowy here. Like, what? I mean, you totally so much you can see in a Zoom, but I was like, oh, Megan, hey, girl, because we hadn't seen her in, I want to say, at least like three or four weeks, maybe more. But uh, her hair is so long and so thick since she left England, uh, and her face is a little bit more pudgy and I was like okay there's a there's something happening here and you know I don't want to say because I don't I don't need people jumping down my throat talking about oh you're 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 in her uterus and things of that nature but I said well you know what I'm I'm just gonna wait and I'm sure other people were pretty much (laughs) thinking the same thing um because you I mean a, we know they're trying. We know they're trying. And we know that they mentioned they want to uh, have two children. But it's still so nice when it's announced. And speaking of the announcement, can we just talk about the fact that Harry and Meghan, in their freedom and on their land and, you know, showing their happiness, they have captured the attention and the imagination of the entire world. 
So I first saw the announcement, the picture, just the retweet, you know, as you as you do. As I think that's how most news is almost broken these days for people on Twitter. I saw a retweet probably like an hour after it had first hit the Internet. And I I mean, I was just ecstatic, <laughs> as you can imagine. Literally everybody else in, in the Sussex squad is. But just to see them, you know, on their land... In their, in their own bubble, and I mean that in a good way, they don't owe anybody any explanation for what they do, why they do it, and when they do it. And that's how it should be. So first of all, props to the photographer. The photo was taken by iPad, <laughs> by Misan Harriman. I hope I'm saying that correctly. If not, I do apologize. But a gorgeous photo well edited, just just quality all the way around. And if you haven't seen the photo, I'm assuming literally everybody has, but if you haven't, uh, it's Megan and Harry in the backyard. Megan is lying down. Her head is resting on Harry's lap and he is tenderly caressing her head. She's looking up at him, laughing, and, you know, her hand is on her bum. She's wearing this beautiful flowy dress. Harry is barefoot, and there's this gorgeous tree in the background. And, you know, you see some of the land features. Not too many, you know, it's just one photo, but gosh, I'm so happy for them. And that photographer did a really good job. I mean, it's a black and white photo, but it, it is so well edited, like the post editing. And if you notice, Harry and Meghan are boosting black and brown photographers, like they're choosing black and brown photographers to take their photos. Love it. Amplifying people like literally doing what they have said early on they would do, which is going to the grassroots, but then also amplifying black creatives, black voices. And while Mr. Harmon is a friend, I really hope that professionally he gets even more of a boost just because his photography is incredible. So shout out to him. Another thing I thought about and kept thinking about after, you know, the news of the pregnancy just sort of settled in was that this is the happiness that they fought so hard to protect when they were in England and to create because they're still creating it. Like they're still building their story, their family, you know, their work. But I think we underestimate just how hard it would have been for them to just focus on the positive of life when everything that they've tried to do and build up to this particular point while they were still over there was just completely being undermined, right? To see them just to be able to exist and to enjoy one another, to raise their kid, to build their business and foundation without fear of being undercut and undermined, I mean, it's it's what we've always wanted, isn't it? As their supporters, this is the life that we wanted them to have. This is the life that we knew they could get. And especially after the sadness of losing the second baby, Megan sharing that with the losses we share, that New York Times opinion piece, that beautiful piece that helps so many women who were going through the same thing in silence. 
They are expanding their family. They're doing it this time with Doria at Megan's side from start to finish. And as one family, they all get to truly enjoy it. Men, I tell you what, you really do live your karma. You live your karma. And this is theirs. And they deserve nothing less. And in case any of you haters ever wondered what thriving actually looks like, since Megan said she doesn't want to just survive, but thrive as well. Girl, this is it. She's serving it to you on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. It's sharing joy and have the world celebrate with you. It's also having the love of your mother, your husband, your child, and your friends surrounding you without the feeling that they're going to be silenced where they can just love on you and you can just love on them and it's nobody's business. Like Megan is going to be completely loved up in this pregnancy and it's what she deserves. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. It's what she deserves. Just to think about her first pregnancy makes me sad. It it honestly does for her to have gone through that. But now she's in such a different environment she's probably in such a different headspace as well poor Harry you know just trying to do everything he could to make sure that she had as many needs as he could meet taken care of and he's out there fighting a freaking war all by himself while this woman is carrying his firstborn like (laughs) it honestly makes me want to cry but this time they have their firstborn running around on their land Excited about the arrival of his little sister or little brother. There are no wars to be fought because you are completely free. And they're there in California just standing in the sun. And, you know, that's probably the problem with half of y'all in England. Y'all don't get no sun. Because what they need to do is go get them some vitamin D. Because Megan getting plenty vitamin D. You feel plenty. Just saying. And I'm just saying. Because Harry is serving that up on a silver platter as well. And, you know, speaking of Harry, can we all just celebrate the fact that bro has his own family now? I mean, he had his own family. You could say family is whoever you're with in Megan. But then came Archie and now they're having their second child. That man literally has the family he has always wanted. And he's talked about frequently, even uh, from when he was in his early 20s. But the man's got his own clan now, and he's the head of it. Not just a wife who adores him. He has a little boy who probably thinks he's a superhero. But not even just that. He has a mother-in-law. And she probably treats him like the son that she's never had. And now a new baby that he can protect and provide for as well. Like, he quite literally has his own tribe to protect. And we know how seriously Harry takes that idea. I just hate that Diana is not here to witness it, you know, and to take part in it. Because she would definitely be be a part of the group, you know. Um, Because this right here, what he's living, that's what she wanted for him. And this is what she wanted for herself. This is what she wanted for herself. While it wasn't possible in the, the context of the royal family, what she married into, it was very much possible for her had she not passed. Um, But to see her son, who she has said just straight up is more like me 
You know, the other one is more like them. Diana has said that, like, not in those words, but I think her words were Harry is a Spencer. She would just be overjoyed, especially seeing how Harry came through what his family just came through and having to leave England and basically exit senior royal duties. She would be so proud of him. And he's also doing work that his mother would have done or like his mother was actually doing at the time of her death and would have continued to do. You know, Harry's out there meditating. <laughs> like, <laughs> like these people really thought Harry was going to put the idea of royalty over the idea of family. What? Like, I would, I would love to see Harry and Meghan and, you know, Doria. Because, you know, Doria and Meghan <laughs> used to do, like, I'm sure they still do it, actually, now that they can do it together. But they, you know, all of the pictures that, that people had of Meghan before she um, got married and before she was engaged uh, to Harry mostly were like <laughs> Meghan and Doria with their yoga mats walking to a, a studio. Doria is an instructor to do yoga. You know, say walking to a studio to do yoga. Um <laughs> And now they can probably do it as a family in their backyard, like. Oh, my God. Y'all got Harry messed up. Y'all got Harry messed up. And he said that he does yoga. I don't know if you remember, but on that teenage uh, therapy podcast, he says he does it and he does it religiously every day. I don't know if that was the case pre-Megan. You feel me? Uh, But girl, if you think Harry is about to come back over there and trade what he got now for that whack-ass ghetto. Oh, no, honey. You got Harry's whole entire life twisted. By the way, what he said was he meditates every day. And he doesn't miss. Not yoga, but, you know, one would assume that he probably is, uh, you know, maybe he does a little bit of that too. But still, he's in a totally different headspace. And I'm sure he's growing more confident in his new life. Like, this is the one that he dreamed about. My guy's good. Harry did mention, as I said, that he and Meghan only plan to have two children. You may recall in the Forces for Change British Vogue magazine that Meghan was in charge of, he spoke about not having more than two children for the good of the planet thinking about like climate change and the carbon footprint of each individual, especially in the West. It's big. So um, and people gave him flack for that. Who does Harry think he is to lecture us about how many kids we can have? Meanwhile, Will is over here telling Africans to stop having babies while he's over here working on number four. And you'll never hear or read a critical article from the British press about that. And on that subject, did you notice that that whole article about Will and Kate telling the queen that they were trying for number four, which <laughs> that just weirded everybody out. Like, <laughs> let me let me just stop while I'm ahead. It, that was a weird headline. But um, th- did you notice that that was like right before Harry and Meghan announced? And then come to find out Harry and Meghan only told the queen and the folks in England that they were having a baby like right before they told the rest of the world. So somebody said, hmm, I wonder whether 
Will and Kate somehow leaked that they were trying for baby number four to, I guess, try to preemptively take some of the focus from an announcement that they might have known was coming up. I mean, and that's the thing. Even if that, even if that's just pure conspiracy, it sounds plausible, though, doesn't it? I'm not saying it is, but it sounds like it could be. And you know what? That's a shame because when people view you in that light, it says a lot about your relationship with your brother up to this point when they see you as an undercutter. Well, this is right in line with that. So I just wouldn't put it past him. I don't I don't really think that that's what happened, but I, I wouldn't put it past him. But the other thing, though, and this is I do believe this. Harry and Meghan, out of respect. So nobody could say, oh, well, they didn't even tell the queen first. They, obviously, you're telling the queen first. But they didn't wait very long. And so I think the reports were that the palace staff were caught off guard by the news or by the announcement, rather. Well, I mean, maybe if y'all hadn't leaked so much about Harry and Meghan, they would have let y'all sit with that news for a little bit. But see, Harry and Meghan know that had they waited too long, the Sun would have been printing an article about how reports are that Harry and Meghan are pregnant. You know it. For example, Harry and Meghan's first pregnancy, the pregnancy with Archie was announced way sooner than it should have been. If you recall, she was only like two or three months pregnant. They were just setting out for the Oceana tour. Like the day of the tour, they announced the pregnancy. And she was like barely showing. Like you're not supposed to tell someone you're pregnant until you are squarely out of the first trimester. Now, I don't know this, but word on the street is that the pregnancy was announced sooner than Megan would have wanted or that Harry and Megan wanted. Well, this time around, they didn't have to worry about any of that. And you know what else? The tabloids, they're sick about it. When I tell you they are hurting, they are hurting. See, because they're used to being in a position to break this type of news, especially for Harry and Meghan or anybody in the royal family. But I feel like there was a sort of deliciousness that uh, the tabloid reporters and the royal reporters got from breaking news that it wasn't really their right to break. Right. News that was leaked to them or, you know, writing up something that they just knew would upset and or undermine anything that Harry and Meghan were doing. Oh, well, that door is completely closed and it's welded shut. Like we underestimate how profitable Harry and Meghan were to these tabloids, especially Meghan. Meghan was paying mortgages. The royal reporters said so themselves on Twitter. That when they interact with each other, somebody from Squad took a screenshot and said, oh, look, yeah, they're they're starving. And the Sussexes knew what they were doing when they said, yeah, Royal Rota, we're, we're not working with y'all no more. But you can measure their anger and bitterness by just how they are reacting to this pregnancy news. Like a woman has literally announced that a baby is on the way <laughs> and... Who knew that wonderful kind of news could give the tabloids a conniption? You know, Harry and Meghan are just coming off of this sweet, sweet victory of uh, 
beating the tabloids in a court of law in front of the world. So basically, you know, embarrassed them. Like I said last episode, taking their lunch money. Uh, you can't quite make the profits you used to make off of this woman and uh, now this family or her bump. <laughs> like it's it's done. It's over. It's a wrap. And I know it's a game for these tabloids, but like who's bitter over the announcement of a baby? And, you know, your life must be so bitter. But we know, of course, they are so angry. Like anger is truly the word here because the tabloids are used to having the upper hand when it comes to royals. The royals have been afraid of the tabloids and the power that they have. Harry and Meghan, they have nothing to lose. We gonna sue you and we gonna win. Or at least we're going to try to win. And it turns out that they did. The other royals don't have that in them. So they're doubly mad at Harry and Meghan because they're not making the profits they used to make. And they've had to actually turn over more money to Harry and Meghan just because they told lies and didn't get away with them the way that they're used to getting away with them. The tabloids, the royal reporters, they're used to having the final say and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to <laughs> they don't know how to act and behave, you know, and the beauty of all of it is that anger causes them to go to social media and say what their true feelings are. And since the world is squarely in Harry and Meghan's corner and pretty much everyone is basically like Sussex Squad. Now, if you're not a bigot, right, if you're not someone who, you know, finds a million different reasons to hate Meghan, even though really it's just a melanin part that you hate, um, like everybody who doesn't fit that description, they're defending Harry and Meghan on the Internet. And they're doing it so beautifully. And so when the royal reporters take to Twitter to voice their actual opinions and their frustrations and their anger over Megan finally winning, right? The world is dragging them, like dragging them by their nose hairs. And it shows that like the people that work in the tabloids and keep that industry afloat, they have lost the plot. They have lost the plot and they're being reminded I'm so you know, like I'm so proud of people who dragged Emily Andrews and Piers Morgan and 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 Paul Malev. Like this is the karma that we've been waiting on for these people. And not just them. It's like all kinds of Megan haters. They're being retweeted and ratioed from here to Kalamazoo. And it's all because royal reporters are so stupid. And Megan haters are so stupid. Like, how are you trying to argue the fact that Harry and Megan don't deserve privacy just because they want to share one aspect about their private lives with the viewing public? Like, people are literally having to take people to school, drag out the dictionary for the word privacy, and show how that really fits to anybody who wants it, <laughs> including Harry and Meghan. So just because you're mad that you don't get to make profits off of Harry and Meghan doesn't mean that the definition of privacy has ever changed. Like, choosing to share certain things about yourself, it doesn't preclude you from having a private life. And the way that the tabloids and the Meghan haters are reacting to this news or to any Megan news, especially, uh, you know, Harry and Megan sharing something from their private life with the public, which they can do at any time 
just because that's their prerogative. This is really just putting a giant spotlight on just what was at the root of the way they treated Megan when Megan was in England. And I'm telling you, it's on display for the whole world to see. And what the world is seeing right now is the fact that that industry, the tabloids, and the voices that they actually amplify, which are right-wing, bigoted, xenophobic, they wanted to own Megan. They wanted to own Megan. They didn't want her to have any rights. I know that sounds absurd. They didn't want her to enjoy the same privileges that all of the white ones in that class the aristocracy enjoy especially Kate right because again her whiteness was used as a weapon against Megan they didn't want Megan to feel like she was entitled to any of the privacy that Kate gets or that even in as we can see in the most recent example Eugenie just now having a child not too long ago the privacy that she gets like she's throwing or should I say her quote unquote friend is offering information up to the tabloids about her experience as a new mother. Uh, They're not writing about that, but what they're also not doing is somehow trying to crucify her for doing that because she deserves rights. Like she deserves to be treated with dignity. She deserves to be given space. But Megan doesn't deserve that. Kate deserves it. Eugenie deserves it. Zara deserves it. Nobody is all up in her snatch, you know. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But it's true. They're not. But somehow Megan is just ruining your day by announcing that she's having another baby. And you just want her to go away. Like you either want her completely with her having no say, being completely silenced, or you want her to go completely away. Now, you really don't want her to go away at all because she's still bringing in some profits for people. But they throw a tantrum as if they want people to believe that they don't want to see or hear anything from her, despite the fact that every single one of them had that black and white picture of Harry and Megan and Megan with her hand on her bump announcing her second baby on their front pages. And the reason for that is because they are starving. Now, somebody answered me this when Eugenie just had her baby. And this is no disrespect to Eugenie because I, I actually don't dislike Eugenie. I don't know a whole lot about her, but I ain't got no bone to pick with her. Really, I don't. <laughs> um, but when she had her baby, was she on any of the front pages, like, of the tabloids? Because that's a big, that's, she's an actual princess, like a blood princess. Was she on any of the front pages? Like, one thing I did notice, though, they didn't demand her to stand out on the street with her baby in her arms right after she gave birth the way that they demanded Megan do. Oh, we deserve Keeping in mind, Megan gave birth to the seventh in line. Now, I know Eugenie and, you know, her child are further down the line. But that being said, she's still a blood princess. Nobody demanded of her. Like I said, they gave her the privacy and the space that she deserves. But Megan was not given that when she was pregnant and gave birth to her son. 
they threw a temper tantrum with that. So it's it's been a history of just a chaotic relationship that the press, <laughs> the tabloid press have had with the Sussexes. Like you want them to believe that they're not important, but everything they do causes you to throw a tantrum, right? You shouldn't care what Megan's baby is doing. Like Megan, Megan is married to the sixth in line. But what it really is, is that, and even now, whether it was Archie or whether it's this baby, they hate the fact that the sixth in line and his wife are the ones that drive their, the ones that can make or break their bank account. It's not, it's not Will and Kate. Y'all don't write about Will and Kate. When they do stuff, y'all don't, (laughs) like y'all don't even write about it. When they are throwing themselves at y'all, y'all don't even write about it. Y'all find a way to put Harry and Meghan's name in everything that they do. Because Harry and Meghan, they drive the profit, whether it's online or whether it's in print. And so they resent her for it. So there's so many different things that have always gone on here. There's the bigotry and the xenophobia and this idea that they can get away with uh, abusing someone that doesn't fit into their ideas of what high class would be, particularly pertaining to the British society because Megan is an American. Megan is a woman of color who was raised by a single parent. Megan is a person who knows what it's like to have a job, you know, so... Again, they felt that she should just be grateful to be among them, right? To even be written about by them, to be in the same spaces as the royal family. And they've always resented the fact that she primarily, between she and Harry, she's the one that drives the profits. And then when she turned her back on the whole entire thing, got richer, sued them, got even richer. And they still depend on her for the little scraps that they do get. Oh, yeah. This is what it means to see heads explode in real time. Because they know what we all know, which is that Megan entered the royal family as an outsider. And she left as the HBIC. And now the fact that Megan and Harry have carved out this life for themselves away from camera lenses, away from spies, away from shady ass courtiers and palace staff. There's this bitterness that's coming out of England that simply amuses the hell out of me. I swear, Megan is just too powerful. Like they don't know why the tricks that used to work, they don't work anymore. They don't even work on the people that come across the, the bullshit in the papers and on the internet. It, it's now become a source of amusement for us all. And so like the matter they get, the more reckless they get, the more they get dragged. And I also hear the girls are mad that the Sussexes announced on Valentine's Day, which happened to be the 37th anniversary of Diana announcing her own pregnancy with Harry, Megan's husband and baby's father. Um, <laughs> they're mad at Megan for doing that. Um, the Sussexes for doing that. You know, listen, Diana is her mother-in-law. She's not yours. Megan 
is giving birth to Diana's grandchildren. You're not. So, you know, if Megan wants to wear Diana's Cartier watch and Diana's butterfly earrings and Diana's emerald ring and announce to the world that she and Diana's son are having Diana's grandchild, then she can do that. Yes, child, the the little mixed girl from America with the black mama with the nose ring with the dreads can do that. And speaking of Queen Doria, you know, I love that she gets to experience her grandchildren up close. That is a true blessing if there ever was one. And, you know, there's always talk about how the queen hasn't seen Archie since the Sussexes came to America in 2019. And then now there's talk about how the queen might not meet the new baby for some time. Okay, sure. But I think it'll happen when it happens. You know, she'll see them when she sees them. You know, I say, imagine how much she'd be seeing them if Harry and Meghan didn't feel like they had to fight for their lives and her family. But that's neither here nor there. That said, I don't think Harry is deliberately keeping his kids from the queen. That's just the way the cookie is crumbling right now. But I just find it a blessing that Doria is a foundation of support for both Harry and Meghan. I believe Diana is someone that Harry carries with him and the lessons that she taught him and that, you know, he keeps her memory alive beautifully like he really does. And Doria is someone whose strength and calm and resolve just continues to teach both of them. Look at the woman Megan is like Doria doesn't get enough credit. Look at how impressive Megan is. And she's the woman that Doria raised. You know, I just remember seeing Doria sit there opposite Harry's family. Doria's basically all by herself and you know, the royal family, some of them are just sitting over there making faces and rolling their eyes. And Doria's just watching her daughter marrying into this cold institution in a foreign country and just praying that the man that would be her husband would protect her. Well, let me let you know something. Henry Charles Albert David did his damn job. Honestly, he did not let Doria Ragland down. And I know we're proud of him, but the amount of gratitude that Doria must feel toward her son-in-law like it honestly just makes my heart so warm (laughs) and I know I don't know these people but it was written all over her face when Megan got married that that was the thing that everybody kept talking about was just her expression and I mean it's so hard to hide that when your daughter is marrying into something so big. And then on this side of it, it turns out to be she had every like every reason to be worried. But the fact that Harry did Harry did what he promised, continues to do what he promised, I'm sure. Um, I'm so glad that they're all together now. Doria is probably doing yoga with Archie. You know, she gets to teach her her grandchildren the lessons that she taught her daughter. And Harry has this home life that he's literally never had before. There are no press statements to make. There are no permissions to get. There are no cameras to dodge. Only freedom and only love. I love that for them. I love it. They deserve it. 
everybody deserves that. And Harry and Meghan shouldn't be blamed for going after that either. I think that's what any sane person in their situation would have done. Now, let's switch gears to this here Oprah interview. So Harry and Meghan announced we're having another baby on a Sunday. And the next day I see Harry and Meghan are sitting down with Oprah in their first interview since leaving the royal family. Now, when I saw that, I began to laugh. You know that evil laugh that when you know you have won, you know, think Cruella de Vil, think, uh, you know, think think the guy, the narrator of the thriller, the Michael Jackson video, and you know how at the end he laughs? Think that. That's that's how I, that's how I laughed inside. Because this is the day that Megan's biggest critics because let's face it, Megan has way more critics than Harry does, even though they're a unit. But this is the day that all of Megan's critics have dreaded, the day that she actually gets to speak out and speak up for herself and answer honestly about her experiences, many of which are still fresh on our minds. And whether you like her or not, Oprah is someone who has interviewed a lot of heavyweights. Oprah, in part, in part, can take credit for Barack Obama having enough traction and name recognition to run for president. That's Oprah's power. You feel me? Oprah is completely self-made. She's the type of royalty that we recognize over here. People who earn something. Now, yeah, she's a part of the ruling class, but she was born poor in Mississippi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is the difference. It is not being born into a royal family and then all of a sudden you got a crown on your head. Oprah's a queen because she earned that, right? Oprah, you may recall, was also a guest at Megan's wedding. Oprah sat on the inside with like Serena Williams and, and Doria, not necessarily next to Doria, but they were on the inside part where they were actually uh, watching the vowels as opposed to watching them on a television screen. Um, Oprah, it has been reported. Now, I don't really know this, but it seems plausible, um, actually likely, but that uh, Oprah and Doria have a relationship at this point. So if anybody would have landed this interview, it would have been Gail or it would have been Oprah. And it turns out it's Oprah. So I posted a clip on my Instagram of a segment that was done on the CBS morning show about uh, the news of the interview with Harry and Meghan talking about how they're neighbors and Gail goes, yeah, she's been working on the questions all weekend. Now, to this point, I don't know whether it's actually recorded or not. But Gail mentioned that Oprah has been working on the questions. And she confirmed that absolutely nothing is off limits. Now, typically in an interview like this that everyone is going to be watching, like this is going to be one of those moments that is, it's a global event. And usually people of Harry and Meghan's caliber can say, OK, so we'll agree to do the interview, but 
these subjects are okay to talk about and ask about. These ones over here, they're off limits. So you can't ask me any questions. Harry and Megan say, have at it. So that right there, <laughs> that right there lets me know that they have some things that possibly that they have some things that they want to get out of their chests. And probably more importantly, Harry and Megan know the value of creating their own narrative and setting the record straight, right? So you can't set the record straight if you leave certain things off the table to talk about things that revolve around other people's accusations of you and their assault on your character. So it, it, I'm sure it's, you know, strategic that nothing is off limits and Harry and Megan, they're brilliant. Like, especially Megan, when it comes to answering questions off the cuff. Now, obviously it's a pre-taped interview and they may do a couple of different takes, but Megan's not going to be coached. Megan can think, and speak for herself but she's very she's very good with choosing the right things to say that gets her point across but in the most diplomatic manner but then there's always that something underneath that if you know you know and you can read between the lines so for example in the Spotify year-end special or holiday special with Harry and Megan and Archie saying Happy New Year at the end, Harry and Megan, they talked about how love always wins. Take it from us. Love always wins. If you don't know what they've been through, then that's just a very sweet notion, you know, because love wins. Love is important. Love should always win. But given what they have gone through and what we know about them, we know that their love is what kept them in the fight. We know that people tried to undermine their bond at every single turn. And ultimately, and they talked about, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You're not going to dim my shine, even though you're over here trying, even though I have to sue you for telling lies and trying to, you know, assassinate my character and misrepresent me to all of these people, even though I'm the most trolled person in 2019, even though I thought it might, you know, it, it's barely survivable, even though I'm pregnant and I, I run the risk of losing my firstborn, I'm still going to let my light shine and I'm still going to thrive because that's my goal in life. It's not to justify. So when they say this, this light of mine, I'm going to let it shine and love always wins, you know what they're talking about. And I think it, you don't even have to be like a super fan to know that. Like by this point, because it's been going on for years at this point, you just have to be a, a, even a casual bystander to know some of the things that Megan and Harry are likely going to reference in this interview and how poorly that's going to reflect, not just on the tabloid media, because they, they played their part, but the royal family. Now, I don't know if Oprah's going to be bold enough to, <laughs> I think Oprah going to go there now. Uh, like I said, Oprah's my brand of messy. You know, I love Oprah. Oprah is going to ask questions though, but that's the job of the interviewer is to ask questions that people are thinking. Uh, you as an interviewer, you're the only person who's asking the questions. So I think Oprah's going to go there, but probably not in such blatant terms, but She's going to go there and she's going to leave room for uh, Harry and Meghan to cast whatever kind of light on whatever individuals that need to be illuminated. Um, 
Certainly, they're going to talk about a lot of other things outside of their experience. Now, you know, what they're intending to do with Archwell, the work that they've done up to this point. Now, I'll say this. If it's not recorded yet, because today is Friday. I started recording this podcast yesterday. Today's Friday. So if it's not recorded yet and nothing is off limits, Oprah may very well ask about uh, Harry and Meghan being basically removed from the royal patronages. Um, That would be very interesting as well, because that's the biggest news story today. But specifically with regard to the interview, CBS, which this is a huge get for them. uh, That's where being Oprah's best friend comes in handy. (laughs) So they better be paying Gail King really well. Um, But CBS released a statement about the actual interview, and that's how you know it's big. And it reads as follows. It says CBS, and this was on the 15th of February, CBS presents Oprah with Megan and Harry, a CBS primetime special to be broadcast Sunday, March 7th. It continues, CBS announced today, Oprah with Megan and Harry, a CBS primetime special featuring Oprah Winfrey as she sits down with Prince Harry and Megan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, for an intimate conversation for an exclusive primetime special to air Sunday, March 7th, 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the CBS television network. In parentheses, followed by global distribution. That's probably the singular phrase in this whole entire statement that scared the bejesus out of the royal family. But she continues, Winfrey will speak with Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex, in a wide-ranging interview covering everything from stepping into life as a royal, marriage, motherhood, philanthropic work, and how she is handling life under intense public pressure. Later, the two are joined by Harry as they speak about their move to the United States and their future hopes and dreams for their expanding family. Now, this right here, like I said, this is going to be a moment. The queen, the gray men, the tabloids, everybody knows it's going to be a moment. All of the biggest critics know that this is going to be a moment, not not just for Harry and Meghan, because, I mean, they don't need any more good graces But it's going to shine a light on all of the people that mistreated them for no other reason than protecting their family. And I saw someone asking, well, why aren't they doing it on Apple TV? I thought uh, Oprah had an exclusive deal with Apple TV and uh, Oprah and Harry were supposed to be doing some kind of a documentary. I mean, that, that could be true. But CBS is, again, a global network. And not only that. Harry and Meghan want any and everybody who wants to know their side of the story to be able to find it without having to have a subscription. This is how I know it's going to be some tea and not not for my entertainment, because I've already made my conclusions. But because Harry and Meghan are. They're very serious about being able to control their own narrative, not because they want to present themselves as something other than what they are, but because the effort to paint them as something far worse than who they know themselves to be has been so aggressive. And now that they're in a position to speak and to be heard, they are going to correct that. 
in all the ways that they can and precisely because it is their right to do so. And so when that CBS statement said followed by global distribution, that means across all of their channels, all of their their apps, anywhere where you can find CBS content and any affiliates, that interview is going to be available. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's another thing. These interviews are usually paid. Harry and Meghan say, we don't, we don't want no money. We just want to be able to speak. Yep. I mean, people get paid millions of dollars for these types of interviews. So not only is nothing off limits, Harry and Meghan are not doing this for money. And so that shows the royal family, that shows the tabloid press, just how motivated Harry and Meghan are to tell their story. And that's precisely why we're getting the reaction that we're getting from the tabloids and from the royal family. Because they haven't been this scared since Diana did the interview with Martin Bashir for Panorama. And let me tell you something. Diana was such a bad bitch. She did it from Kensington Palace. (laughs) She said, I'm going to do it right here. And I'm going to let y'all know what I think about you. I'm going to let the world know how trash y'all are. And if you notice, just the day before this interview was announced, the tabloids were still going in on Megan for announcing that, uh, you know, she was pregnant with their second child. It was, oh, wow, look at this person. She wants the world to know she's pregnant, but then she also wants a private life. Then suddenly it's, oh, my God, they're doing a tell-all interview. And then all of the British press start using this phrase, tell-all interview, tell-all interview, And then you start hearing the rumblings of Harry and Meghan. This is all this week. Harry and Meghan are going to be stripped of their patronages. There's rumblings behind the palace walls that, you know, there's really no way back now. And the queen is just fed up. Well, if that turned out to be true, then it turned out to be true. And even at this late stage with Harry and Meghan, Not having been in England for nearly a year, causing this much fear, these kind of shockwaves, not not just throughout the tabloid press, but also the palace and seeing how the palace and the press have pretty much coordinated on the backside of this type of news, the news of the interview specifically. I mean, I don't really know how much more confirmation people need for how in tandem the the royal family and the press have been and will continue to be. I mean, look how coordinated this was. And even before, you know, Buckingham Palace announced that the Queen is removing Harry and Meghan from royal patronages, really the days since the, the interview was announced, Philip suddenly in the hospital again. How do you go from being, I mean, yeah, the man is old. I get it. Totally get it. I get it. But have you noticed that since Philip has been in the hospital, the tabloids have made Philip's hospitalization about Harry? And now speaking in terms of Philip already being dead and Harry's going to need to come back. <laughs> like, like it, it, it's so warped and twisted. Yes, Philip may have a wonderful relationship with Harry, you know, as a as a grandpa and a grandson. I would assume so, have no reason to believe otherwise. But 
why are the press making Harry the center of that story? And as some people circulated, and I certainly began to wonder myself, maybe they want to prevent Harry and Meghan from doing the interview. Or maybe there's some small hope that with Philip being so old and in the hospital, as far as I know, he's still hospitalized. Maybe that'll scare up Harry to coming home, which, I mean, if if my grandpa was 108 years old, I would go probably back home too. But that being said, you got to question the motives. Like you got to question the motives and the timing of it all. We don't know, but one thing we do know, one thing we do know is the royal family number one on their priority list is self-preservation. And if in their mind, Harry and Meghan doing an interview, just like that Diana Panorama interview, exposes the royal family, like the true nature of the royal family, in the way that the crown did and you know how they made a fuss over the crown if an interview with two very beloved global figures who survived the royal family do an interview that reflects poorly on the royal family it becomes another item added to the why the royal family is trash list but anyway here's a statement from buckingham palace about the latest developments with Harry and Meghan and their stepping back from the royal family, you know, for their own survival, safety and sanity. This was released today, February 19th, and it states Buckingham Palace statement on the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I swear to God, they have released so many statements on the Duke and Duchess of Sussex since they've been over there, all because they refused to defend them in the first place. <laughs> like villains, villains. Okay, so. It reads, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have confirmed to Her Majesty the Queen that they will not be returning as working members of the royal family. Following conversations with the Duke, the Queen has written confirming that in stepping away from the work of the royal family, it is not possible to continue with the responsibilities and duties that come with a life of public service. Now, I'm going to come back to that sentence. But it continues the honorary military appointments and royal patronages held by the Duke and Duchess will therefore be returned to Her Majesty before being redistributed among working members of the royal family. While we are all saddened by their decision, the Duke and Duchess remain beloved members of the royal family. Do you notice how they always do that in the statement? Well, while we're sad, you know, they are beloved and we love them. They are our family. They always do that, don't don't they? Because they know this is a historical, historical document or this statement, right? It's going to be referred to in history. But we know you're the villain. Like, you can't just refer to Harry and Meghan as beloved members of the royal family when we know you see them as public enemy number one. We're not stupid. Well, let me read you Harry and Meghan's statement. And I got this directly from Omid's Twitter, and it states that a spokesperson for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex said, as evidenced by their work over the past year, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex remain committed to their duty and service to the UK and around the world and have offered their continued support to the organizations they have represented, regardless of official role. We can all live a life of service 
service is universal, end quote. Shots fired. Yeah, shots fired. You know, because the thing is, <laughs> and this is the thing that I, I love and I hate, but I love it more than I hate it, is because Harry and Meghan are now in a position to actually like respond to the bullshit that comes out of the palace because it is bullshit. And in so many words, Harry and Meghan are calling bullshit on that statement from Buckingham Palace. And if you remember when Harry and Meghan stepped back from royal uh, duties, official royal duties, they said, just so y'all know, in the future, Buckingham Palace, they don't speak for us. They don't speak for us. And Buckingham Palace knows that because they are Buckingham Palace, that the uh, layperson is just going to see a statement coming from them and take it as fact. Harry and Meghan are countering that. Because again, Harry and Meghan are obsessed with controlling their own narrative. So almost point for point, Harry and Meghan's spokesperson and this statement that was released from Harry and Meghan's camp, it counters what was said in that Buckingham Palace statement. It basically counters it without spelling it out outright. And Harry and Meghan don't have to say that statement is a lie because we know it's a lie because we have all been in quarantine for the last year and we have all seen Harry and Meghan speak multiple times with their patronages, been in touch with all of their patronages over the course of the last year or so. And so it's almost as if nothing out of Buckingham Palace with regard to Harry and Meghan can be trusted because Harry and Meghan are telling you that themselves. So where Buckingham Palace says it is not possible to continue with the responsibilities of uh, duties that come with the life of public service, Harry and Meghan responded, we can all live a life of service because service is universal. And I'm not sure if it gets any any clearer than that. The royal family wants people to believe that they are the angels in this situation, that Harry and Meghan are the villains, that, you know, they are the ones who are so selfless and are uh, dedicating their lives to service. That is a lie. That's the lie they need the public to believe. While that same public funds their lifestyle and the royal family, starting with the queen, jumps through hoops to conceal their wealth. Those royal patronages and charities aren't better off just because they have royal patronages. They don't do better. Harry and Meghan's did better. But just by virtue of having a royal patron, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do better. Didn't you all remember when when Kate did a Zoom call with uh, one of the, the, the charities that she's the patronage of and the guy basically says, well, we haven't seen you in eight years. And all she could do was laugh because... She doesn't do anything for them. And that's typical. So what are you talking about service? What type of service are you doing other than showing up once a year, maybe, and unveiling some plaques? But for the sake of argument, let's say that the royal family really did do some meaningful public service because, you know, that's just their role. You don't have an embargo on public service. Just like they tried to police the word royal when Harry and Meghan stepped back from the royal family and they said, well, you can't use Sussex royal. And 
Harry actually had to say in a statement, actually, Grandma, nobody has jurisdiction over the word royal, but we're going to let you have it, sis, because y'all seem to be throwing a fit. And this was at the time, this was way before, I mean, relatively speaking, before Netflix, before Spotify, before any of it. You know, this was brand new, brand new. And Harry and Meghan, for all we knew, they were still living in Canada. But even still in Canada, Meghan was going to different local charities and uh, speaking with individuals. Don't forget, Meghan was a philanthropist before she was Harry's girlfriend. And Harry's been a philanthropist since he was a teenager. He founded Centibali as a 19-year-old, co-founded that, and is still involved very closely with Centibali today. And so long before either of them were the Duke or Duchess of Sussex, they were individuals who were committed to service. So in the Buckingham Palace statement, I hear them basically saying, well, you know, Harry and Meghan, they, 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 they can't do public service over here with us because clearly we don't think they have what it takes. Like they don't want the responsibility. To me, that's what is being put out there. That's the message they want people to get, that they don't want the responsibility of it. When in Harry and Meghan's statement, they say, well, actually, since everybody's been Zooming in the pandemic, and those are easily made available to the public once they are completed. Um, we haven't really been doing anything different from what y'all been doing. You know what I mean? And that's true. We've seen a number of conversations with Harry and Meghan and young people of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. We've seen Meghan do Zooms with the ACU those are the two patronages that were basically removed from Megan and taken back by the queen for Harry. It was all of his military patronages and technically appointments, as well as the two rugby organizations that Harry was involved in England rugby and the rugby league, but the military charities, the Royal air force, the Royal Marines and the Royal Navy all of which Harry was directly involved in, those are also being taken back by the Queen. So that's that's probably what hurts the most for Harry, I would imagine, because between him and Andrew, out of the members of the royal family that have actually served in the military during wartime too, I'm sure they'd rather have Harry for more reasons than one. And speaking of Andrew, coincidentally, Today happens to be his birthday. He's getting shout outs from the royal family saying happy birthday. And he hasn't lost any of his military appointments. And he's still wanted by the FBI if I can just throw that in there. Because every time something happens with Harry and Meghan and the royal family and the tabloids and all the drama that comes with them hating Harry and Meghan for not wanting to take part in their evil, then Andrew trends as well because people are always reminding the girls that, hey, y'all got a whole knot over there. Y'all got a whole pedophile that y'all ain't said nothing about. He's still getting y'all tax dollars. He's still living the Royal Lodge, girl. He still ain't answered no questions from the FBI. And he is always going to be seen as someone who 
is always going to be associated with human trafficking. And so the same queen who pushes her grandson out for doing the right thing by his family, by his wife, is protecting her favorite son. I mean, he's getting birthday tweets like ain't nothing changed. And a few hours later, literally a few hours later, they're tweeting about why Harry can't retain his royal patronages. Now, in the Buckingham Palace statement, they try to present it as if, you know, Harry spoke to the queen and they decided together that the best way forward is that uh, Harry and Meghan, they won't be involved with their patronages anymore, the royal patronages uh, specifically. And, you know, they're just going their separate ways. We're saddened again. We're saddened. They're our family, uh, but we wish them the best. Meanwhile, Harry's statement, the tone of the Sussex statement is something totally different. And I didn't even mention that jointly they are no longer going to be the president and the vice president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. Harry's the only president that organization has had because it's a relatively young organization. And that's also the same one that supposedly William was angry with the Queen or, uh, you know, upset that he wasn't named the president because he's the heir. Well, girl, you get your wish now and good luck to the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. You know, I saw a lot of people saying I'm following them now because, you know, Harry and Meghan are no longer involved. And that's, you know, do what you got to do, I guess. I mean, but I think the Queen's Commonwealth Trust is probably saddened by this news. I mean, I think it's something that they definitely do not deserve. And what was also brought to my attention was that Camfin falls under the umbrella of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. And you may recall that's the organization that Sussex Squad raised $130,000 for. And then Harry and Meghan, at the end of that fundraiser, they contributed that exact same amount. They matched our donations and 112, 111 girls will, you know, go to vocation school and their paths are likely change you know so that's a sad thing and I know that's not something that Harry and Megan I don't think that they were planning on losing those we always knew it was a possibility and we all we all know that the royal family is spiteful uh and that was probably always something that they were trying to hold over Harry and Megan in order to get them to come back particularly Harry because people are still trying to call for Harry to come back without his wife if you can believe it um, but ultimately, Harry is not going to choose royal patronages over his son, over his wife, over his new baby, over a life of peace. And I think that's why so many tabloids, they they hung all this hope on this one year review. Oh, well, that's coming up and Harry's going to come back and they're going to negotiate. And then, uh, you know, they're going to exist differently than they have in the, the year 2020 because they're going to be more involved with the royal family. Well, that just wasn't in the cars. That wasn't going to happen. In the one-year review, Harry himself said, that's not something that we wanted. There are plenty of people working who have, you know, regular everyday jobs, but are also working royals. But yet we're, we're subject to a review, a 12-month period that has to be reviewed. We didn't want any of that. 
And he said specifically, while there is precedent for other titled members of the royal family to seek employment outside of the institution for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, a 12-month review period has been put in place. That was way back in like January of 2020. So that was over a year ago that those words were written, right? So over and over, we see one standard for the royal family members that don't quite matter that much. And then another standard for the ones who matter the most, apparently, you know, because on the one hand, they want to tell Harry, well, you're just a six in line. You're irrelevant. We don't need you. But yet they don't they do want him back. Or else they punish him for not wanting to come back in the same capacity. Right. Eugenie gets to live in Frogmore Cottage for free. I mean, well, that, she's not living off of tax dollars. She's living off of uh, or tax money. She's living off of Harry and Meghan's actual earned income. And again, Andrew lives in the Royal Lodge for free. And he does nothing in exchange for the lifestyle that is maintained by those public funds. Meanwhile, Harry and Meghan were more than happy to just do the work for the patronages for free. No, no money from the taxpayers because that chapter is, is done. And just do work on behalf of those organizations because they care about the work that they do with those organizations. And one would think that if the royal family was all about public service and making an impact with those organizations, that they would allow those patrons, specifically Harry and Meghan, to continue the work that they're doing. That's never been what it is about for the royal family. And they don't care about public service because the queen's going to get her cut regardless. Like that is law. You, did you notice how like the economy had a downturn during the pandemic, but the queen didn't actually make less money? And not only that, but like the sovereign grant didn't shrink proportionately either. That's because the queen is going to always take a certain percentage. Regardless of how how close y'all are to starving to death, she going to get her cut. Oh, but public service. Right. No, they have a vendetta against Harry and Meghan. Harry and Meghan are the ones who are about public service. They're the ones who said that we maintained support for these organizations, regardless of whether we were in an official capacity or not. Our support for them stayed the same because we don't have to be senior working royals in order to be of service to them. I swear the royal family continues to shoot itself in the foot behind Harry and Meghan. And not to go on too much of a tangent, but I wonder if, you know how I said that self-preservation is the, the main focus for the royal family through every era. They're always having to adapt and find ways to preserve themselves. Well, right now, it seems like the only way that they can preserve themselves in the time that we live in is to align themselves with conservative ideals, you know, to align themselves with the right wing, to align themselves with people who are more likely to be Harry and Meghan critics. Those are usually people on the right wing, the Tories. 
Like they're 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 closely aligned with that. That's the only way that they can survive in these conditions. It seems like. But that's where you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot because I don't know how survivable that is in the long term. I don't think history's going to look too kindly on that. I don't think the Commonwealth currently looks all that kindly on that. Most Commonwealth countries are countries where people of color are prevalent. Uh, And if Scotland gets another referendum, especially after the queen dies, they're going to leave the United Kingdom. Like, they're going to leave the United Kingdom, right? And if Scotland goes, then you can kiss the Commonwealth goodbye. And so people have to be looking at the royal family like, are y'all crazy? Like, have you lost your mind? Not even just about Harry and Meghan. This is just one example of where they're getting it wrong, right? But just looking at, you know, the whole article and investigative article about the Queen's consent, And how this woman literally lobbied for a change in the law to hide her private wealth. And she's supposed to be completely neutral politically. Like she's not supposed to be changing and lobbying for changes in actual laws. But see, they will have you be distracted by Harry and Meghan just telling people to vote in an election and say, well, oh, well, you know, you're not supposed to be involved in in politics when the actual head of the monarchy is lobbying for changes in laws that hide her wealth. Meanwhile, Charles, the next king, vetted laws that stopped his tenants in the Duchy of Cornwall from buying their own homes. And I believe there there's also a law that if people die and there's no will, then all their property, including land, whatever they own, it goes to the Duchy of Cornwall, which is Charles. So lobbying and vetting laws, uh, the heads of state who are monarchies who are supposed to be neutral, getting involved quite intimately with these laws. Not apolitical, but indeed very political. And then y'all have a problem with Harry and Meghan just telling people to vote, for example. And the royal family was all too happy to let the press have a field day with that because as long as they were talking about that, they were not talking about the Queen and Charles and all these unsavory things that they would rather the public just not even consider. It's really unbelievable to me. (laughs) It's unbelievable to me that they have as much support as they do, the English royal family. Because in, in a lot of ways, it's bigger than Harry and Meghan. But anyway, child, let me get back to your regularly scheduled program, honey. Um, The National Theater released a statement. Actually, most of the patronages, uh, have released statements except for the military just because the queen is literally the head of the military so they probably just decided that as as it relates to social media the marines and navy and the air force they're just not going to say anything which not surprised there but the um the national theater said the national theater is very grateful for the support offered by the duchess of sussex throughout the course of her patronage The Duchess championed our work with communities and young people across the UK and our mission to make theater accessible to all. As Buckingham Palace have stated, the process of appointing a new patron is ongoing and will be announced in due course. 
The Queen's Commonwealth Trust also released a, a really nice statement saying the Queen's Commonwealth Trust exists to support young people around the world who are delivering practical help to those who need it most. We have been very lucky to have the keen support and encouragement of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex in our formative years. They have enabled us to make fast progress and have helped us to take the organization to readiness for its next phase. We are glad that they remain in our circle of supporters. Our focus, as always, is on the young people we work alongside. We will be pressing on with vigor to help them reach even more people with the essential services they provide. That's a sad one for me because I know Harry and Megan, they absolutely loved working with those young people. They even just the conversations, if you go back there on YouTube, if you go back and you listen to some of the ideas that these young people have uh, come up with and how they help their communities in their in their countries and just other young people. I mean, why would you do that to that organization? Because who's going to be better? Will and Kate? Will and Kate go to the Commonwealth and get carried around by the locals. You feel me? Um, it's sad because what they're doing is now severing this relationship that a lot of these young people have developed with Harry and Meghan, as well as uh, some of the staff of the trust and then expecting a royal patron, a new royal patient patron that's just you know, picked out of a lineup to pick up where they left off and do as good a job. And we can say right now that they're not. But good luck to the Queen's Commonwealth Trust and the National Theater. I mean, because we can't say that Harry and Meghan didn't do everything that they should have been doing, given the circumstances of the pandemic. That's the absolute pettiness of the royal family, that they don't care whether the charity suffers or not. Uh, the Invictus Games also released a statement and they said, because let me go ahead and let the girls know that this charity right here ain't finna go nowhere. Because the Duke is the founder of these here Invictus Games. Their statement reads, we are proud to have the Duke of Sussex as our patron. The Invictus Games was founded by him. It has been built on his ideas, and he remains fully committed to both the Games and to the Invictus Games Foundation. His military service and experience, combined with his genuine compassion and understanding for those who serve their countries, has raised awareness of wounded, injured, and sick service personnel and the role they continue to play in society. His work has had an extraordinary impact on the way in which disability, service, and mental health is viewed around the world. And he has been instrumental in changing the lives of many. Period. Poo. And that was by Dominic Reed, who was the CEO of the Invictus Games Foundation, because that's what I'm talking about. That's how you show support for your patron right there. And not to say that the other ones haven't, um, I, I, you know, all of the statements have been nice and, and a lot of them are between a rock and a hard place. But Invictus Games Foundation is bringing you that heat because they let you know this is what we think about this guy. This is what we think about Harry. Make no mistake, because we don't have to kowtow to nobody. And they can try to spin as many lies and mistruths about him as they want to. But this is what we know. And this is what he has done. 
And this is the impact that he has made, particularly among the military community. Don't let that be lost on you. This is a military focused charity. Right. So who's right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Who's right? Is it the queen and Buckingham Palace saying, oh, well, Harry, you know, Harry can't do the job that he was supposed to be able to do. He, He can't take the responsibilities of being, you know, involved with these charities and go out and be a private citizen refusing to be bullied by the press. No, he can't do that. Therefore, we are removing him as patron to these charities. Or is it all bullshit? Because Invictus Games Foundation will tell you it's straight up bullshit because Harry can and has done that and more. It makes no difference whether you're a working royal or not. It is whether you are committed to being of service. And Harry has been of service to each and every one of them. Meghan as well, but Harry for longer. And that Invictus Games Foundation statement was the equivalent to Ian LeVanzant basically saying, not on my watch. And I live for it. I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love that energy because that's the type of support that Harry deserves. And in addition to the Invictus Games and the Invictus Games Foundation, two of Megan's charities are also staying put, the Mayhew and SmartWorks. SmartWorks, you may recall, is the charity where the smart set was put forth as an idea to uh, it was something that members of the public could go and purchase specific items. And for each item purchase, uh, one would be donated to the smart works charity, which is a charity that helps women prepare for, uh, you know, entry back into the workforce. So their short statement, really a tweet on the matter said that we are delighted to confirm that the Duchess of Sussex will remain patron of SmartWorks. We are thankful for everything she has done in support of our clients and look forward to working together in the future. She also featured the smart set in British Vogue. Like these are types of things that the other royals just don't bring to their charities. They just don't bring them because they don't either. They don't they're not creative enough. They're not influential enough or they just don't care enough. So I'm glad that they're still in the mix. And also the Mayhew said the Mayhew is a charity that centers around the well-being of of animals. Uh, It says we are pleased to confirm that the Duchess of Sussex will remain our patron. We want to thank the Duchess of Sussex for all of her support. And we look forward to continuing our work with her helping dogs, cats and communities in need. And Wellchild released their statement. This is the last one that I'll read, but it says that we are delighted to confirm that the Duke of Sussex will continue as patron of Wellchild. He has always been a great supporter of ours and has made an important difference to the work we are able to do for families across the UK. We look forward to working with him in the future. You know, I hate that all of these charities are having to release statements just because the royal family and the queen decided to be petty. You know, they're just trying to clear up the confusion because some are staying, some are growing. But it's it's all just so silly. And I'm definitely happy for the charities that get to remain. But I feel so bad for those that are losing Megan. And I feel bad for the military charities that are losing Harry. 
They've had Harry for, for, for so long. But for Megan, imagine having a royal patron who is bringing you fresh ideas and this new exciting sense of interest and involvement in the work that you're doing and can raise your organization's profile to a global level. And then that's taken away because somebody decides that they want to be petty. They want to own Harry and Meghan like a fucking glass figurine in a goddamn menagerie. And if they don't want to be kept in captivity as our slaves to promote our brand, then they don't get to do the work for these charities. And so I don't know. It's just really sad. You know, it's very reminiscent of when Diana made a speech at a charity event as well, saying that she was stepping back from uh, her royal duties and that uh, this is also sort of similar to the speech that Harry made at a well child event before they moved to uh, America. But <laughs> like the similarities between Harry and his mom, they just don't end. They don't end. And it's all because of the royal family's treatment of them both. But Harry's is unique because Harry was this beloved figure and he still is. But they want him only. They want him back alone. They want him to just somehow, as they say, come to his senses, leave his wife, leave his child, because they, they really don't recognize Archie either. Did you hear when they, they called him a chimpanzee and the royal family didn't do nothing, didn't say shit? Um, they, they, don't, they don't care about Harry's family. They want to have him, right? Uh, and there's this abusive relationship where if they can't have them, and I think they want Megan for the work that Megan can do and the goodwill that Megan can bring, but not at this point because Megan, there's no way Megan's going back into that situation, right? And the reason she left is the reason why she is never going to allow herself to come back because she already sees what it is. And by her being a non-blood royal, I think in their estimation, they realize or they feel as though they don't need her anyway. But they want Harry because Harry is tied to the country in a way that Meghan is not. You know, Harry is somebody, especially the people They've seen him grow up. They remember when he was born. They saw him walk behind his mother's uh, coffin. They saw him grow up, go to the military. They saw him become a young man and a philanthropist doing work around England and the world. But they feel like they own him. And he is entitled to a life, a private life, a peaceful life, one where he and his wife and his family are not subject to harassment on a daily basis. And the royal family doesn't seem to understand that. They don't seem to want to accept that from him because on the same coin, they feel like he's he's important to them, but not important enough to actually have standards for himself. That's gross. And I'll say it again. They wanted Harry to treat his wife the way that Will treats his wife. The way that royal men have always treated royal women. The way that the institution has always treated women. They wanted Harry to fall right in line with that. And instead, he championed his wife. He championed her ideas and her, her desires. He amplified her voice. He 
walked in partnership with her. He didn't say, okay, now this is, it's time for you to diminish yourself. Forget all that feminist stuff. You're over here now. You belong to the institution. That's never been what Harry's been about. He's never been that type of individual. And so he's certainly not going to treat his wife like that. But that's what the royal family required of him. And so when that didn't happen, he was no longer a good fit. Do you remember in The Crown where all of the, uh, I call them the bitter Bettys at this point, it was Anne, Margaret, the Queen and the Queen Mother sitting around a table talking about Diana and how, you know, she's just not getting with the program and that if she doesn't bend, that she's going to break. They thought that Megan was going to come in and bend to the rules, bend to the pressure from the tabloids, bend to just being in a foreign environment and away from everything she's ever known. Just completely become of them. And what they probably don't realize, but they realize it now is before Megan, and we don't know the private conversations that Harry and Megan have had going into it because Harry, he sort of alluded to it in the beginning, like in the, um, the engagement interview where he said that he talked to her and he said, this is going to be totally different. They probably didn't even realize it was going to be this bad, but what they probably don't realize is that Megan, she said, I do because she loves that man, but she probably made a pact with herself. I'm not finna be swallowed up by this institution. I'm not going to lose myself, no matter the pressure. She made that deal with herself. And so that's why she's not welcome back. But they think that they can get Harry. They think that they can get him to somehow realize the quote unquote error of his ways because, you know, this is all he's ever known. And at some point he's going to wake up and come to his senses. Now he did wake up and he's fully swimming in his senses right now. Because y'all got him all the way messed up. <laughs> like y'all got him all the way messed up. God bless the uh, the the royal military and all of that. But he not choosing y'all over his children. And he wouldn't expect you to do that either. So why is it? Why is it acceptable for him to even be put in that position? And the answer is it's not acceptable. And so it's for that reason that. Record numbers of people across the world are seeing the royal family as garbage. And everything they try to do against Harry and Meghan, man, it always comes back to bite them. That's why I have been saying for the longest time, you go ahead and try to take their titles away too. Their royal highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. They're still HRH. They just choose not to use them. But go ahead and try to take them away because we know you're petty. And that's what the girls are salivating over anyway. But it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. I, I'd like to see it because the thing is, Harry and Meghan don't need those titles. Harry's still going to be a blood royal. And where they are now and the impact that they are currently making and will continue to make, 
We don't recognize titles. We don't call them the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I call them Harry and Meghan, period. Everybody else calls them that too. So we don't recognize titles over here. And let's say that the queen stripped them of their their titles a year ago when when they decided that they were not going to be working royals. They still would have got that Netflix deal. They still would have got that Spotify deal. They'd be just as rich as they are right now. They still would have won those lawsuits. And so we don't recognize those titles. But one thing I know is that taking those titles away, well, that would just be petty for no reason. And you don't want to be seen as being petty because really you would have no justification for that. You can say, oh, well, you know, we got to take away the military military roles because, you know, you don't want to do a life of public service like the rest of us. But what's going to be your justification for removing their actual titles? Because that's what they want the most. But I still say even if they remove the titles, there's still going to be people asking for um, more things, you know, because first it was um, if you don't like it, then leave. You know, and pay back the money for Frogmore. That was first. Then it was if you don't like it, then leave. And they left. Now it's the charities. And then after that, it's now let's take the titles, take the titles. They're still going to be beloved by the world. And then on the other side of that interview with Oprah, they're going to be exposed to even more people. And what always happens with Megan is people try to make her out to be the villain And it's easy to do that because she's a woman. But then every time somebody gives her five minutes of their time just to listen to what she's saying, they become a fan. And they say, well, I don't see why people hate her so much. Why are people giving her such a hard time? She just seems like a a kind individual who just wants the best for her family. I don't blame her for that. And that's going to keep happening and keep happening and keep happening. Let me tell you, I said it and I'll say it again. She came in as an outsider, but she left as the HBIC because she's the only one y'all think about. And I said this about five or six episodes ago. Y'all resent her because as an outsider, she came in, she looked around and said, this ain't for me. And she left this black girl with a black mama right? She came from a working class background. She was an actress. You know, she was supposed to be grateful. She was supposed to just conform. And she looked around and decided that she was better than that. She was better than y'all. She was better than this, you know, centuries old institution, this institution of colonizers. Megan was greeted with a racist blackamore brooch from the Duchess of Kent. That's the first thing she saw when she saw that woman. Charles and Camilla got, you know, full human sized lamps of black bodies holding up lights as servants, basically as servants. Lamps. That is who these people are. When Barack Obama and Michelle Obama sat in Will and Kate's living room, Back when Obama was still president, there was a, pay, uh, a painting called the Negro Page that they strategically moved the table and some, you know, books and lamps in front of so that they wouldn't see the title. 
the Negro page. That's who these people are. And aside from that, they tried to silence her. It seems like from the court case, they tried to sabotage her too. They silenced her friends. Anybody that would come to her defense, they were not able to. She wasn't able to speak up for herself. And then all of a sudden, when she said that nobody asked if she was okay, then the royal family, only because the public got to see, they got a peek into who these people are. Oh, well, we didn't know. Oh, we checked in on her. Oh, we thought that we thought she was doing okay. And we know that was a lie because in Megan's last engagement at the Commonwealth Service, Will and Kate didn't even speak to her. And if Will did, it wasn't very friendly. But Kate couldn't even bother to look in their direction. And to paraphrase the cut, imagine being rude to somebody in this dumbass hat. And after that engagement, that last official engagement when Harry and Meghan left to start their new lives. Well, Meghan left. Harry stayed back for the summit at the Sandringham Circus. But eventually they would begin their new lives in America. But when they left, that's when the anger really began to boil because this black girl had decided that she didn't want this and the spare decided that he didn't need it. And before long, it became clear that Harry and Meghan would succeed beyond anybody's expectation. And it wasn't due to the titles, but due to their tenacity and the temerity to go out and believe that they could. But I want to read something because Royal Suter actually summed this up perfectly. This is a piece of content that you probably have seen this week. And it's a short but brilliant medium post that sums up everything that we're witnessing because we're still seeing it in real time. And definitely go follow her. I'll put the link in the description and in the show notes. But I'm just going to end with this. And it's titled, Will the House of Windsor Turn into a House of Cards? What happens to British society when the class structure that underpins it is challenged? Imagine a society founded on a class structure with the white British royal family at the top as determined by birth and by blood. A biracial woman enters the top of the pyramid by marriage, negating both the birth and blood requirements society had previously been told were preconditions. Because she lacks those prerequisites, she's considered unworthy because she's proud of her own heritage and regards herself as equal to others at the top of the pyramid, she's considered ungrateful. The town criers called out from the lower tiers of the pyramid. I've never met her, but I look at her and I think, I don't think I'd like you in real life, said one. We Brits prefer true royalty to fashion royalty, proclaimed another. Shouts of, she just doesn't speak our language, came whistling on the wind. But at the top of the pyramid, the cries were met with silence. Were they too far away to hear it? Were they too disconcerted to know what to reply? Or did they use the cacophony from below to muffle the echo of their own whispers as they murmured the same things? The loudest gossip monger was impossible to ignore as he oafishly admonished her to go back to America. After years of being told that she was unworthy and ungrateful, the newlywed took the cry's advice and returned from whence she came. Despite one tattler's audacious cautions not to force her husband to choose between you and us, he did, in fact, choose his wife, just as he did the day he married her, much to their chagrin. Ironically, though society spurned her placement at the top of the pyramid, 
When she leaves with her husband, for some, it calls into question whether the pyramid's peak is still something to aspire to, whether those at the top are truly elite, whether blood and birth really are prerequisites. Their departure is considered a rejection of the pyramid as a construct, thus a rejection of the society itself. For others, it was a necessary repudiation and confirmed that just as they suspected, she was NOCD, not our class, dear. Still, that wasn't enough. For society to maintain order, she must be reclassified and her elite status conferred by marriage removed. But the society is trapped in a conundrum. Her husband and their children are at the top of the pyramid by birth and by blood. Removing titles, military honors, and patronages won't remove her from the top of the pyramid. The only thing that will reclassify her is to remove her from her husband. And the society has been working diligently, though unsuccessfully, to that end since the day they learned that Harry and Meghan were a couple. Wow. Just wow. What can you add to that? Nothing. That was an incredible picture that she painted. And really, they're just saying nothing else left to say. Make sure to follow, make sure to follow Royal Pseudo on Twitter and on Medium because that was that was incredible. And so with that, that is pretty much all I have for today. And what a day it was. What a day. Harry and Megan, I hope y'all know we love you. Cause we got your back. And I hope wherever you are, you feel the love because we're not going to let we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that the lie is not running away with the truth. Thank you guys for tuning in to this very long episode. This is long for me. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to tune in to Oprah with Megan and Harry. Uh, That's March 7th. Yeah, don't forget to tune in for that because Harry and Megan are going to get to tell their story and dictate their narrative because it's time out for other people controlling the narrative around them. If you enjoyed this podcast, I really would appreciate if you could leave a rating on iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast as well as give new listeners an idea of what the podcast is about. You can find me on Twitter at Megan Mood. On Instagram at Sussex Set, as well as on Patreon at Sussex Set. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, Thanks for your time. You don't have to give it, but you do. And I thank you for it. Please, everybody, don't forget to uh, check in on your folks in Texas and uh, as well as the Sussex Squad peeps that are in Texas. A lot of people still don't have the full power of their utilities and they're waiting on everything to be fully restored. Some people have lost everything. You know, I know you have seen the videos and things of that nature, but um, definitely keep them in your in your thoughts. And wherever you are listening, I hope you are staying warm, healthy and inspired. And so until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.